We've got two readings from God's word this afternoon. Um, They are in Luke chapter 12, um, verses 22 to 31, and then Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 to 6. So we're starting today at Luke 12, verses 22 to 31. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens, they do not sow or reap, they have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable you are than birds. Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Consider how the wild flowers grow. They do not labour or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendour was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, How much more will he clothe you, you of little faith? And do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it. For the pagan world runs after all such things, and your father knows that you need them. But seek his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. And we go on a few chapters to Ephesians, chapter 1, verses 3 to 6. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ, in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace which he has freely given us in the one he loves. Well, thank you very much, Dawn, for, for reading. Um, if we haven't met, my name's Nathan. I'm the Assistant Minister at Trinity, and it's uh, lovely you're able to join us today, whether you're a regular at the church or whether you're tuning in for the first time. And those two readings we're going to come back to, the first one we'll come back to is, is Ephesians chapter 1 that Dawn just read. So do keep a Bible open in front of you as we come back to that. Let me ask a question as we start. Do you like God? Do you like him? We we know that we're supposed to love him, of course. Uh, We know we're supposed to love him, but do you like him? So I think the way that you answer that question massively affects whether you'll pursue him more and want more in terms of relationship with him or whether you won't. Do you like God? If you've been around uh, any amount of time at, at Trinity, you'll know that normally what we do, a normal sort of diet, is to, to go through a book of the Bible at a time. That's what we've been doing in 1 Samuel, our book of the year that we've been learning from. And, and we, we sometimes call that expository preaching. We're wanting to go through a whole book, really have to see what God has to say to us in that part of the Bible, verse by verse, line by line. But every now and then we, we do something slightly different um, in a topical series. And that's what we're going to be doing for the next three weeks. And the topic we're thinking about 
uh, as you might know, as Jeremy's introduced, is the topic of enjoying God. Enjoying God. Uh, what we're doing is, is really basing a lot of this series on a book. You might have seen this book or even read it by Tim Chester called Enjoying God. So if there's a particularly good points in my sermons or very good stories or illustrations and you think, wow, Nathan's really come on and his preaching's got really good in the last few weeks. Maybe don't tell me that because some of it might be from this book uh, that we're looking at uh, together. But enjoying God, Father, Son and Spirit. But as we come to this this topic of, of enjoying God, we'll come with a mixture of emotions, won't we, and reactions. See, for some of us, when we think about this, we, we think that we've blown it with God. We've messed up our relationship with him too much. And so we sort of cower before him. The idea of even enjoying God is a little bit like someone saying that we might enjoy a trip to the dentist. <laughs> That's, I don't think anyone ever has. But you might not be a Christian and you're tuning into this. Really, really great to have you uh, if that's the case. And maybe you would like or even love a relationship with God, but you're just not really quite sure what he's like. What would that involve? Maybe that's you. But I guess a lot of us would, would come to this topic of enjoying God, thinking back maybe to the past of our Christian life and thinking of those times where we bubbled over in terms of our love and enjoyment, maybe songs, songs of worship that we sung, those times of singing or, or times where we read our Bible or times of prayer or something like that. And we think, wow, I remember when I first became a Christian, when I was a student, oh man, I was bubbling over passion for, for, for God. But now, well, it feels very ordinary. The sort of mundane every day washing up and commuting and logging into Zoom calls. Well, I have a lot of enjoyment of God compared to what I used to. Maybe that's you. But however you come to this series, you're well in the right place because I guess most of us would want to, to have more, more intimacy, more relationship with the God of the universe. And I'm convinced that the more that we enjoy God, the more that that will help us to be fruitful in the Christian life. See, as we enjoy God, we're, we want to fight sin. As we enjoy God, we want to endure suffering. We want to, to witness. It will energise our, our service. Those all sound quite good, right? <laughs> and they flow from our enjoyment of God. So it's well worth us for a few weeks gazing upon God and enjoying him together. But before we look at God the Father that we'll be thinking about today, I want to teach us a a sort of key principle that's really going to underpin a lot of the things that we're going to be doing in this series. And the principle is this, that our union with God is the basis for our communion with him. Let me say that again. Our union with God is the basis for our communion with him. Communion is a sort of old term. We don't use it a lot now. But it's how we relate to or commune with someone. So as Joe's already said, if you are a Christian, you are united with God in Christ. The key is Jesus. We're joined together with God because of him. And that status of of union with God, that is solid. It's unshakable, unchangeable. It's permanent. And it is a gift. It's a gift based entirely upon God's grace. There's nothing we can do to contribute towards that status. Zero, zilch, that we can do towards that. So our union with God, you need to know, is is absolutely solid if you trust in Jesus. That's brilliant, isn't it? However, our communion with him, the way that we relate to him, 
that can fluctuate. That can fluctuate. It can go up and down. There's going to be a little diagram coming up here. Uh, for those of you who like slides and haven't had enough of Chris Whitty slides, this is something slightly different. And, and the top line there, union with Christ, that is going nowhere. That is absolutely solid. But at the bottom there, our communion with him, our day-to-day -day experience of God can feel a little bit like a heartbeat there or a roller coaster, you might say. See, our communion can, can go up and down like that, maybe because of unconfessed sin. Maybe God sometimes just feels distant or we're having a particularly hard time in, in one area of our life or other. See, our starting place then is our union. That is a gift. That is solid. But how much we enjoy communion with God, relationship with him, depends on what we do. Let me put it like this. Um, two married couples. Uh, a married couple that live in the UK together. Um, they wear wedding rings, uh, they, they sign the marriage papers, they live in a, in a house together and they relate well to each other, they chat to each other, uh, they get on really well and, and, and they work on their marriage together. But now think of another couple, one of them's in the UK, the husband's maybe in the UK, the wife is in Australia and they're married. Uh, they've got the marriage certificates, they wear wedding rings, but they don't really speak to each other, they don't WhatsApp or call each other and don't really kind of get to know each other at all their status is is married a bit like the couple that live in the uk but their their lived experience of that is is not great maybe that's sometimes the case with us as well see our actions they, they don't make us christians what we do or don't keep us christians but our actions of maybe reading the bible or prayer serving worship they do make a difference to our enjoyment, our, our lived experience of, of God. Our union then is the basis for our communion. And I think that's really encouraging because that means that however much we've, we've messed up or however much we've neglected God in one way or another, if you have that union, if you are joined together with God in Christ, then you can always have a fresh start. And that's encouraging, isn't it, maybe as we start this series together. I'm going to pray and then we're going to look at two things about uh, God as father and how that's a wonderful thing. Father, thank you so much that we can be joined together with you. And, and however we're feeling, whether we're feeling up or down in our Christian life, that that rock solid status is unchangeable and it's based on grace. But I pray as we think about this series together, as we think about God as Father, Son and Spirit, you would help us to grow in our, in our lived experience, in our communion and relationship with you in such a way that you give us joy. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Two things then uh, I want us to see today. First of all, enjoy the love of the Father. So it's right, isn't it, for us as Christians to, to regularly reflect on how gracious God has, has been to us and how gracious he's been to us in, in saving us from the eternal punishment that we deserved for our sin. That, that is extraordinary, isn't it, that he would save us and rescue us. And if that's all that he did, all that we experienced, that would be enough, wouldn't it? We'd be forever thankful for the cross where Jesus died. But God is so gracious that did you know that he gives us more than that? Ephesians 2 verse 1 puts it like this. We were dead in our transgressions and sins. That was our status, but, but he has saved us. But he's done more than that, even more, in the fact that he has welcomed us into God's family 
into his family, meaning that we can have relationship, even intimacy with him. And if you look back at Ephesians 1 that we looked at, it all starts with with the love of God the Father. Let me read out verse 5. It says this, in love, he, the Father, predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. That's short. I'm going to read it again because it's so good. In love, he, the Father, predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. That is extraordinary, isn't it? Notice how that started, that it was in love or out of love that he he chose us, he predestined us. The Bible says a lot about predestination. But hear, hear how positive it is here. First of all, before the creation of the world, he chose us out of love. And what did he choose us for? Well, verse five says that he chose us for adoption to sonship. That isn't just that that God saved us, that that would be enough. But more than that, that he gave us the, the rights of a firstborn son. That is that all Christians, male or female, are sons. That's not sexist. It's a way of of describing that we're equal heirs of the inheritance that God the Father gave to God the Son. As Joe said in that little interview at the beginning, everything that Jesus has, we have. And so this is how one writer, J.I. Packer, who died uh, uh, earlier this year, um, sadly, he, he put it like this. He said, adoption is the highest privilege of the gospel. The traitor is forgiven, brought in for supper and given the family name. To be right with God, the judge is a great thing, but to be loved and cared for by God, the father is greater. Or as John puts it in 1 John 3, see what great love the father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. So the only reason that that we can be sons and daughters of of God is because of our union with Jesus Christ. That is the only way that we can receive this status truly. Yet if we are united and joined with Christ, you need to know that this is a current reality for you. That the father loves you now in the same way that he loves his son. That is how God views and relates to you. He delights in you because he delights in his son. Feels um, a long time ago, really, doesn't it? Now the the Olympics in two thousand and twelve, only eight eight years ago, but it feels like much longer in London. And we can maybe remember the great the great nights of Usain Bolt breaking records and the Mo Bot, Mo Farah, and other things like that that maybe you enjoyed watching. But um, someone who did very well at that Olympics was a, a South African swimmer called Chad Laclos. Good South African name, Faye. I hope I've I've got that right. I'm, I might not have. You can correct me. But but he won the the gold medal in the swimming, and uh, an extraordinary performance. He beat Michael Phelps. Did very well. But but one thing that was brilliant was the interview with his dad, Bert. Oh, we can have a photo there. Uh, you can tell which one maybe was was Bert, which one was Chad, and um, and Bert, uh, his the dad. There was a brilliant interview with him. I don't know if you saw it. Maybe you can watch it on YouTube uh, after, after the service, not now. And, um, and in this interview in the, the TV studio, um, they, were, they were asking lots of, of questions to Bert about his son, about his training and, and all these kind of things. And it was in some ways it was a terrible interview because he wasn't really answering any of the questions. Instead, his dad was just pointing out of the, 
out of the studio to his son and saying, that's my boy. I love him. He's mine. That's my boy. Look at him. He's beautiful. And, and all the way through this interview, it was quite funny. The interviewer was trying to kind of get it back on track. And he was just, that's my, he's my boy. He's won the gold. That's my boy. I love him. And you can see the tears sort of running down this, this big guy's face. It's brilliant. But that is true of, of the father's in such a greater way towards his son. We see his baptism. Jesus was baptized. And God the father says, this is my son whom I am well pleased. But more than that is now unbelievably true of us as well. That that's how the father looks upon us. Jeremy was saying at the beginning, it's Justin's 18th birthday today. And um, maybe it was a, a few years ago that Jeremy maybe wasn't doing this 18 years ago. But but now I'm sure you've, uh, you've been in the experience where you've been sent baby photos or videos. Uh, maybe you've been spammed uh, from a, a relative, a cousin or a, or a friend. They've had a newborn baby and... Um, and you just get sent loads of photos of this baby, maybe videos as well. I'm, I'm definitely guilty. I've definitely done this uh, when I was been born. And maybe you've received one of these and, and you realize it's a 30 second video of a newborn baby doing nothing really. Uh, the baby's just sort of, you know, meh, making these baby, baby noises and face and you're sort of waiting and he's, okay, was that it? But, but behind that is a mother or father who delights in their child and is saying, look, look at them, look at them. <laughs> I love them. And because of God's love for Christ, it's overwhelming love for Christ. That is how he looks at you, his son, in a greater way now, or daughter. It's a huge comfort, isn't it? Keir Starmer, Labour, uh, Labour Party leader, I read an article earlier today that he was, he was interviewed and he was opening up and talking about his, the bad relationship that he had had with his father. And uh, the difficulties that have come from that and, and regrets as, as he talked about that. I'm aware that a, a, cool, uh, a, stream, um, a stream like this that you'll be watching on YouTube, there'll be a number of you who have, who have similarly had poor relationships with your father or maybe no, no father figure at all. And even the mention of the word father that we're talking about is, is painful, is hurtful for you. Well, don't let the term father be ruined for you. See, even the best earthly father can't come close to what is available here in the riches of knowing a heavenly father. And do you know what one thing that, that brings God, the father, great sorrow from us is when his sons and daughters don't believe that he loves them. See, God, the father, sent his son into the world sacrificially he abandoned him he condemned him as he died on the cross for you so that you might be adopted that's the love of the father for us and so don't believe the lie that we often tell ourselves that that God sort of reluctantly loves you or he tolerates you or he sort of had to save you think of a a father or, or mother who adopts a child that they never have to do that do they they choose to and God chose to adopt us in accordance with his pleasure and his will. And so how do we apply this? Well, in one sense, we, we do very little. <laughs> we, we go and sunbathe in the Father's love for us. We savour it. We, we appreciate it afresh, what it means to be brought into supper 
as Jay O'Packer put it, or to be given the family name. If you've got kids rushing around or you're watching this out and about, or if you're to hear one thing from this service, let it be this. We're to sunbathe in the Father's love for us. Enjoy it. Appreciate it. Savour it. That we've been brought into his family. We've been given supper at the table. We can enjoy God as Father. Of course, there's a future element to this, but the privilege is also now. We can have communion with the Father. We can enjoy him. We can pray to him. Adoption is the highest privilege the gospel offers. We can enjoy the, the love of the Father. Secondly, then, and finally, we can enjoy good gifts from the Father. We can enjoy gifts from the Father. Because there's many ways then we can relate to God as Father. And one of them is, is enjoying what he has given, enjoying his gifts. As James 1, 17 puts, that every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights. He does not change like shifting shadows. I love us just to return to that bit in Luke's gospel that uh, Dawn um, read so well a few moments ago. And, uh, and let me read just from verse 24 again for us. It says, consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable you are than birds. Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Consider how the wild flowers grow. They do not labour or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendour was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and gone tomorrow, is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you, you of little faith? And do not set your hearts on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it. For the pagan world runs after all such things, and your father knows that you need them. But seek his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. This is a passage then, Jesus teachings, disciples from Luke, and it's primarily about not worrying. But he asked them to consider, did you notice, two things. To consider the birds, or the ravens, and to consider the flowers. And as we stop and, and consider those two things, it points to the fact that we live in a, a world where the Father cares. The, the Father cares for us and his creation. As Tim Chester puts in his book, we, we live in a fathered world. And so we consider the birds. My six-year-old nephew, who was six uh, the other week, is absolutely obsessed with birds at the moment. Uh, he's got sort of... A to Z of birds, and you know, he knows every single one. He knows all the sounds that the birds make. His slightly niche um, request for a birthday cake was for his sixth sixth birthday cake was to have a uh, a birthday cake with a kingfisher on the top. That's that's a tough gig actually for my uh, for my sister to do, but he loves birds and and he's he considers them. He looks at them, and we're to do the same, considering the birds, because they point to the fact that we live in a fathered world. Even ravens, even London pigeons, God provides for. Or we think about the flowers, flowers that are beautiful, disposable art, here today and gone tomorrow. The other week I was reading, unrelated to this, uh, an atheist uh, who, was, who was writing about flowers. 
uh, amongst other things. And he was describing the sort of atheistic view of the world that says that flowers are, are sort of like machines built by DNA whose purpose is to make more copies of the same DNA. So that's all it is. That's all flowers are. But actually, as Christians, we think differently. As we consider them and see the Father, how much more valuable, Jesus says, are we than the birds, even, or the flowers? See, I think like uh, the, one of the lies, sorry, that, that Adam and Eve believed in the Garden of Eden was that God is, is distant, that he is uncaring, and they decided to go it alone. And we're quite tempted to do the same sometimes, aren't we? <laughs> to think that God doesn't really care, that he's not involved in, in the world really, so we'll go alone. But actually the world that we live in is a, is a fathered world. It's, it's an amazing place, isn't it? Think of the thousands of ways each day that the, the Father, God the Father, cares for you. The way that you can experience music that makes your, your hairs on your arms stand up as you listen to it. Or the laugh that you can experience with maybe a housemate that, that makes your sides hurt as you laugh about something. Or the film that you watch that moves you to tears. Or the Indian takeaway on a Saturday night and the bursts of different flavours that come from that. We live in a fathered world. These things point to that. We don't live in a godless cosmos. I think of um, the autumn leaves at the moment. So uh, Instagram, you can go on and, and see that under the, the sort of hashtag autumn leaves, there's over 4 million photos uh, of, of autumn leaves, if you fancy, fancy looking at some of those later. But you, you've probably noticed if you've kind of gone out in the last few weeks, just how many incredible leaves there are. I picked some up here on the way to the to the office where I am, just the different shades, different colors of, of the leaves, different sizes. And of course, as, as God made those, each one of them is, is handmade. He could have made them uh, all to be exactly the same, all to be the same color. But no, instead he makes them differently with veins snaking under the surfaces and deep reds and, and greens and yellows and, and different colors. And each spring, God starts that process again, doesn't he? He says to himself, that was, that was brilliant, that was great, let me, let me do the whole thing again. <laughs> we live in a fathered world. The, the father is the ultimate giver, and nothing good that is in this world has any origin other than from him. And so how do we respond to that? Well, we give thanks to the father. We give thanks not in a, in a sort of vague mindfulness way but we go a step further than that and, and say thank you to the father himself it's powerful isn't it as we lift our our eyes from the gifts to the giver see we're so easily discontent aren't we with with the world that we're in and we in lockdown spend more money on online shopping and things than we really need to or or maybe the Christmas adverts and then the John Lewis adverts come out and we see the Christmas adverts and we think we need to to buy more stuff maybe sometimes just out of boredom there's no reason to be bored in the world that the Father has made. And so I wonder, this week, this is a challenge for you, if there's something to apply very practically from this. I wonder if this week, each day, you can, you can find something or see something that, that makes you happy, that gives you joy. And I want you to imagine that that has been handed to you as a gift from the Father. Can you do that this week? Maybe you walk past in the road and, and see a few leaves and you pick one up and you look at it and you say, thank you, Father, for the way that you've made this world. Or, or it might be something else. And celebrate him, enjoy him. You might want to share that in your small group WhatsApp, maybe, if that's you.
Here's a little quote that uh, will come up now. G.K. Chesterton, an older author, he, he put it like this, that I quite like. He said, you say grace. In other words, you say thanks before meals. All right. But I say grace before the concert and the opera and grace before the play and the pantomime and grace before I open a book and grace before sketching, painting, swimming, fencing, boxing, walking, playing, dancing and grace before I dip the pen in the ink. I mean, those are, some of those are quite quaint sort of examples. But what he's saying, look, we don't just say thank you for our meal that we're going to eat, but we can say thank you for all sorts of things, knowing that they're gifts from the Father. And so as we finish, I want to say to you this week that you can enjoy God more than you currently do. You can have a deeper communion as you enjoy, enjoy the love that he gives you because you're joined to the Son, as you enjoy the gifts from him. See, that, that line on the graph that we looked at at the beginning, it does go up and down, and that will always be the case on this side of heaven. But it can be more constant as you enjoy those things about him. But of course, as I said at the beginning, that communion, that relationship with him only comes when we have union with him. And so if you're listening into this and you realise that maybe you haven't ever asked God to forgive you for your sins, You've never asked for the slate to be wiped clean by him and, and to enjoy relationship with God. Now would be a great time to do that. Because the results of, of union, of being joined together with God, are, are amazing. The fact that we can commune with God and the things he give us, gives us is, is much more than we deserve. Because Christians can know the love of God the Father, know what it means to be adopted, and we can enjoy the good gifts that the Father gives. So relate to him, appreciate him, enjoy him this week as father.